Welcome to Nakubo in Brief, a podcast series from the National Association of College and University Business Officers. I'm President and CEO John Walda, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in today. Our mission with this podcast is to help our listeners better understand the challenges that face the business of higher education. Our hope is that you walk away with a stronger sense of the trends, policies, legislative, and regulatory issues that may impact campuses today and in the future. You can find resources for today's episode, as well as a wide variety of educational tools at www.nakubo.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Nakubo In Brief. My name is Megan Strand. I'm going to be your host today. Thank you so much for being here with us. I'm excited to be joined once again by Leslie McBain and Lindsay Waite, who are both Assistant Directors for Research and Policy Analysis for Nakubo. And today, these ladies are going to share a bit about tuition discounting and their first paper in their perspective series. Welcome, ladies. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Lindsay, I'm going to ask you to start out for us today. Would you talk about why Nakubo chose to write a report about the relationship between tuition, tuition discounting and college access for underrepresented minority students? Yeah, um, I think uh, to answer your question, I'd actually like to take a little bit of a step back and look at the, the bigger picture in higher education right now. I mean, I think it's hard to uh, read the news without seeing some kind of issue or article focusing on college affordability. We've been hearing many calling on colleges and universities to, and especially uh, four-year private nonprofit colleges and universities, to really maximize their efforts in serving student populations uh, to make sure that students are being provided with access and opportunity in higher ed. Uh, what we're also seeing as part of this conversation is that a lot of that focus is on students who are from uh, backgrounds that have been historically underserved in higher education. So namely students from low-income backgrounds, as well as students that identify as racial or ethnic minorities. Um, so I think that's kind of the the bigger picture that we were, you know, thinking of. A lot of us in higher ed are, are you know, really thinking about uh, college access and affordability. Uh, specifically, uh, Nakubo has been studying institutional aid practices for several years now, um, and we often get questions here at Nakubo about the role that institutional aid has in all of this. Like, what are colleges and universities doing to promote access and opportunity for students on campus, and, and in particular, students from underrepresented minority backgrounds? So I, I think that's, that's kind of where uh, we're coming from. And so uh, I think we can also think about uh, the, the role that Nakubo has in serving business officers. And so when we really think about Nakubo's mission, uh, Nakubo's mission is to support higher education institutions in pursuit of their own missions on their own campuses. And we have a particular focus on the role of college and university business officers. Um, and, and business officers are an integral part of the university community. Um, their roles focus on ensuring the financial stability of schools and thinking about institutional financial aid practices, and so on and so forth. So by providing business officers with information about how tuition discounting practices relate to enrollment trends of minority students is, is important for Nakubo to do. Um, we really want to support business officers and their need for information about trends in higher education. Um, and we really want to support the role of business officers um, in uh, being in serving their own campuses um, and making sure that campuses are able to meet their own missions, which really is providing access and opportunity for students. 
Um, so in short, that, that's kind of why Leslie and I chose to consider the research question, is there a relationship between increasing tuition discount rates and the changes in enrollment of underrepresented minority students? So Leslie, maybe you could tell us a little bit about the report. Is it part of the annual tuition discounting study? While the report uses data from the tuition discounting study, which Nakubo has been doing for almost 25 years, it's a standalone companion piece as part of the perspective series rather than part of the regular TDS. And this is for a number of reasons. For one, in this study, we only included data from 200 four-year private nonprofit institutions that participated in the TDS for five consecutive years. That's from 2012 to 2016. Another thing that makes it different from the annual TDS is that we also use two sets of federal data. One is NCES IPEDS data on student race ethnicity since the annual TDS doesn't collect that data. The other is data from the Federal Student Aid Data Center on the number of Pell Grant recipients and the dollars of Pell Grant aid awarded at each institution. We added this in because Pell Grant recipients are often used as a proxy for low-income students in higher education research. In terms of methodology, this report also differs from our annual TDS in that we divided the 200 institutions into four equal quartiles based on changes in their first-time freshman tuition discount rate from the 2011-12 academic year to the 2015-16 academic year. Maybe, Lindsay, you can tell us about the key results of the study? Yes, yes, I would love to. And again, I'm going to take a a step back for just a second. Um, I want to make sure that our our findings are kind of contextualized for listeners. So when when we're thinking about uh, enrollment changes of underrepresented minority students um, nationally, uh, when we look at the the time period that we're we're looking at in the study, so from 2011 to 2015, we do see that overall the number of underrepresented minority freshmen um, at four-year private nonprofit schools increased by about 9%. Uh, So nationally, there are more minority students enrolling in private colleges and universities. Uh, At this point, maybe I should also note, uh, just for listeners, that the the 200 sample schools uh, that we're looking at in our study, um, over the same five-year time period, they saw an increase of about 16.5% in their freshmen uh, who identify as URM students. Um, So our our sample is not exactly representative of uh, four-year private institutions nationally. Um, They've seen a little bit more of an increase. Um, in the, the enrollment of their underrepresented minority students. Um, okay, so that's the context. Now I'd like to talk a little bit about um, w- when we're looking at just, uh, you know, overall uh, enrollment of URM students, underrepresented minority students has increased. But I also think it's important, and this is what our study really looks at, is considering the demographic makeup of incoming classes Um, into these colleges and universities. So we also looked at the percentages of incoming freshmen that were underrepresented minority students as part of the the overall freshman class between 2011 and 2015. So what we see for the 200 sample schools is that on average in 2011, about 18.7% of the the freshman class makeup uh, was from an underrepresented minority background. And then by 2015, that had grown to 22%. So so overall, again, what we're seeing um, is an increase in underrepresented minority students as a, as a proportion of incoming freshman classes. But 
to really get at our question about whether or not there's a relationship between institutions that are increasing their tuition discount rates more. Um, as Leslie said, we went ahead and looked at are there differences um, based on these quartiles um, of schools based on the changes in their tuition discount rates. And what we see is that the, the school's um, in quartiles three and four, so the 100 schools that increased their tuition discount rates the most were also the schools that experienced the largest increases in their underrepresented minority student enrollment as a percentage of their incoming freshman classes. So, for example, um, in quartile three, we saw that in 2011, about 21.4% of their incoming freshman classes on average were underrepresented minority students. And by 2015, that number had grown to 25.5%. And then with schools in quartile four, we saw an even bigger difference. So in 2011, about 18.1% of their average Incoming freshman class was from an underrepresented minority background. And then by 2015, that had grown to 23.5%. So we do see a difference um, when we look at schools based on the changes in their tuition discount rates. Um, and I don't want to go into too much detail um, about what that did for the overall undergraduate um, enrollment, but we saw we saw some similar trends. So basically, when we look at um, a university's entire undergraduate um, enrollment, we see that as schools increase their tuition discount rates more, so those that had the biggest difference, were also the schools that saw the largest jump in the, the proportion of undergraduate students who were from underrepresented minority backgrounds. Um, so that's all from the institution perspective. I also think it's important um, when we're talking about student enrollment that we think about all of this from the student perspective. And so just like with our annual tuition discounting study at Nakubo, um, we also considered in this paper the, the student perspective. Overall, uh, when we look at all of the, the 200 sample schools in this particular paper, um, we saw that the percentage of freshmen that were being awarded institutional aid increased from about 86% in 2011 to nearly 88% in 2015. So not a huge jump, but definitely an increase. In addition, um, we look at the, the student discount rate or the percentage of tuition and required fees that is, that is um, covered uh, by the institutional aid that's being awarded to students. So in 2011, on average, that was about 53%. And by 2015, that had grown to 57%. But again, what our study is really showing is that when we look at this by the different quartiles of institutions, and again, the quartiles are based on the, the changes in the tuition discount rate, um, we see a difference, um, which I think is important to highlight. So the colleges and universities that increase their freshman discount rate the most, uh, so in particular, those schools that are in the fourth quartile in our paper, they're the ones that saw the biggest jump in the amount of freshmen receiving institutional aid. So about 88% of their incoming freshmen were receiving aid in 2011, but that number had grown to 92% in 2015. In addition, when we look at how much of a student discount um, the, these students are getting at these institutions, in 2011, it was 46%, but that had grown to nearly 62% by 2015. So what I'm saying with all of this is that 
the schools that increase their discount rate the most, which I should remind you, they're also the schools that increase the proportion of underrepresented minority freshmen in their enrolling class the most, that 92% of freshmen attending these institutions on average were receiving some kind of institutional aid, and that this aid covered nearly 62% on their tuition and fees. And, and just as we uh, looked at uh, at um, our overall trends uh, with both freshmen and undergraduates. I, I can iterate that, that we saw similar trends when we looked at the proportion of all undergraduates these, at these institutions. So we saw overall more undergraduates uh, were receiving um, institutional aid and that the, the, these tuition discounts were covering a larger proportion of the um, tuition and fees at these schools. And let me jump in here. All the points Lindsay's raising highlight how important it is to consider these larger contextual items outside the institutional aids that schools are providing. One is student debt levels. Now, we don't collect that data in the TDS, but keeping in mind concerns about student borrowing, especially for low-income and minority students, is important. Another is the federal Pell Grant data, which, as I mentioned before, we did use in the study. In 2011, nearly 100 180,000 Pell Grant recipients were enrolled at the 200 sample institutions. By 2015, this went down to almost 165,000. Additionally, Pell dollars from undergraduate recipients at these institutions decreased from nearly $7.4 million in 2011, adjusted for inflation to 2015 dollars, to approximately $6.7 million in 2015. Now, this is consistent with national Pell Grant data reported by the College Board showing a total decline in Pell Grant spending over this period. But when we look at the 200 schools we are focusing on here, that schools that increased their tuition discount rates the most and increased underrepresented minority first-time freshmen the most also small, saw the smallest declines in the number of Pell Grant recipients. So in the annual tuition discounting study, Nakubo considers the relationship between discounting and new tuition revenue. Leslie, do you see any trends with net tuition revenue in this paper? Well, before I talk about trends, it's important to note for our listeners that tuition revenue is not the only source of income for schools. It gets a lot of press, but it's not the only source. Other sources include gifts from donors, returns on endowment, federal aid and grants, auxiliary income, income from facilities, and a whole host of other sources of income. So what we are not saying is that schools are sacrificing any kind of financial stability to fund underrepresented students. In fact, Overall, as data from IPED showed, the schools are not seeing declines in revenue overall. But we did see some difference between quartiles and net tuition revenue per first-time freshman over the study period. The first two quartiles showed increases in net tuition revenue per first-time freshman, whereas the third and fourth quartiles showed decreases in net tuition revenue per first-time freshman. Again, we're not saying schools are losing revenue from all sources because net tuition is only a part of the whole. But we're saying is that these schools increased access for students by providing increased tuition discounts and realized a decline in net tuition revenue. So, Lindsay, how do your findings fit into the larger higher education conversations about diversity and access? I think when we talk about the larger conversations about diversity in higher education, that there are multiple components to consider. First, there's a line of research that demonstrates that when we think about diversity inclusion and inclusion, that there are many potential benefits to students, to all students, regardless of their race. Um, these students can benefit from attending diverse institutions uh, when 
when campuses provide students with opportunities to positively engage with diverse peers. So this means that campuses need to consider diversity as well as inclusive campus practices so that that all students can realize uh, the the benefits of attending a a diverse campus, Um, because the, the line of research does show that students do experience learning outcomes based on their interactions, uh, quality interactions with diverse peers. Uh, In addition, we see the the conversations around access and opportunity beginning to also include considerations of outcomes. Um, So, I mean, I think we would be remiss in this podcast to not mention um, student outcomes, uh, specifically college completion. So when we think about this, this means that campuses, as they continue to become more diverse, um, they need to, their leaders need to understand best practices to improve outcomes, um, and in particular outcomes for underrepresented students. Um, and, and that's going to be something that will be really important um, for all, all leaders in higher education to continue to consider. So we do see growing research on best practices for supporting improved outcomes of underrepresented students. Um, I know we see research on mentoring. We see research on learning communities. We see research on the importance of campus-wide approaches to student success. Um, And this research definitely um, provides lots of things to consider for campus leaders when they're thinking about diversity and access and inclusion and opportunity on their campuses for for all students, but in particular students from underrepresented minority backgrounds. So I also think we need to think, well, where where does this paper fit into all of this in the conversation? So, as I said at the beginning, uh, we sought out to consider the relationship between rising tuition discount rates and the enrollment trends of underrepresented minority students. Overall, we see that that the colleges and universities in our sample that increased their tuition discount rates the most also saw the largest enrollment increases in the proportion of underrepresented minority undergraduates at their schools. So these data highlight that colleges can use financial aid to provide access and opportunity for students, particularly students from historically underserved backgrounds. And while I'll acknowledge that financial aid is only one component of college and university efforts to foster student success, it does address barriers related to access and opportunity for these students. So our work shows how some four-year private nonprofit colleges and universities are using financial aid practices to increase access for underrepresented students. And I think that that's important to consider in, in the bigger picture um, of conversations around diversity and access in higher education today. Well, thank you so much to both of you, Leslie and Lindsay, for joining me today to talk about your fascinating work on tuition dis- discounting and this new paper in your perspective series. Yes, thank you for having us. Yes, thanks so much. You can find out more about today's episode by visiting the distance learning section of nakubo.org. Make sure you subscribe to Nakubo in brief in Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts so you'll get the latest episodes instantly. And on behalf of Leslie, Lindsay, and myself, I'd like to thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Nakubo in Brief. <laughs>